Welcome to a live preaching message from the Kadesh Family Church, Houston North. The Kadesh Family Church, Houston North, is part of the Kadesh Family Churches in North America, where the Word of God is imparted clearly, practically, and comprehensively for present-day living. Our aim is to provide a solid foundation of Bible-based instruction to our church members, to equip them to preach and teach the gospel wherever they might. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for every blessing. We thank you, Father, for bringing us close to you. Lord, we want to hear your voice today. Speak to us. Touch our lives. Make everything brand new. Help us, Father, where we are struggling. Father, pick us up where we have fallen. Father, soothe the pain in our lives and in our hearts. Father, we thank you thank for you, this offering. We pray that, Lord, you bless it and bless everyone who gave today. Blessed be your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Let's sing Waymaker, miracle worker. For you sing Waymaker. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you, I worship you, I worship you, Lord. I worship you. You are here working in this place. You are here working in this place. We worship you, Lord. I worship you. We worship you, Lord. We worship you. Waymaker, miracle worker, he is God. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keep the light in the darkness. That is who you are. That is 
Sunday morning. Amen. Amen. We thank God for another day. Every day that God gives us is a special day. Amen. We don't take anything that God does for us for granted. God decided that we should be here, and that's why we are here. It is not of our doing, but it is of the Lord. Amen. The Lord has done great things for us, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Hallelujah. Today, I want to bring you the word of God. I pray that God speaks to you through the words that I will speak. Amen. Amen. And, and if I want you to take anything away from the message today, it is that you are special to God. Amen. Amen. You are special to God. Amen. God knows about you. A lot of times we think of people in large numbers. Crowds of people, even in this church, you just think of yourself as a part of this congregation. But I want you to know that you are an individual before God. Amen. Amen. You are uniquely special to God. God knows your name. You are no accident. You know, a lot of things happen and we'll say it was an accident. <laughs> Accidents mean things that happen that are unexpected sometimes and that you didn't plan for sometimes. Sometimes parents even say that their children are accidents. <laughs> they will say you are not supposed to come, but, that, but, you, are arrived, but you arrived. But I heard a great man of God once say that when his mother was pregnant with him, it was with great difficulty. She bleeded for a long time, and the doctor said, look, the only way you can save yourself is to get rid of this child. So she said, he said the mother went in for something called DNC. I don't know what that is. You understand what it is? Okay. <laughs> DNC. So as far as the doctor was concerned, the child had been removed. But a couple months later, 
the lady found that she was with child, and she went to deliver the child. And to this child is a great man of God. In fact, he said, okay, this is what happened. He said apparently they were twins. They were twins. The twin sibling was removed, but he was still tucked in, side somewhere, and God kept him. Amen. God will keep you. God will do the most bizarre things to make sure you are still around. Amen. So I'm saying that you are, as, you are special before God. So sometimes children, um, parents will say, my child was an accident. We didn't plan for you. You're not supposed to show up. We didn't want you. All the, but God wanted you. Yeah. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5. God wanted to remind his prophet that he knew him a long time ago. Yeah. Say, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Yeah. It is God who puts you in your mother's womb. It's God who formed you before your parents came together, before they even knew each other. Even when they were toddlers. <laughs> Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Say, God knew me. God knew you a long time ago. Before you were formed, before what we call conception. God knew about you. God knew that you are going to show up. Before you were born, I set you apart. Amen. I set you apart. You see, so number one, you are special to God. And because God, you are special to God... God now also wants to give you something special to do. The only reason why God gives you something special to do, because you are special to him. Because he was telling Jeremiah that in addition to making sure that you would arrive on planet Earth, I also had some special work for you to do. Amen. He said, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Amen. Could it be that God has appointed us to do something? I think it is more likely the answer is yes than it is no. All right? God, um, next verse, verse 6. So before I phoned you, say, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. Next verse. So everyone who is young here, including myself, don't say I cannot. Say I can. Amen. Because many of us, because this is the year of the shepherd. And the first thing we say when the pastor says shepherd is you just block out your mind and you say, I cannot. Just like Jeremiah, he said, I cannot speak. I don't even know what to say. I cannot. Do not say I cannot. Say I can. I, can. I want this church to be full of can-do people. Amen. You don't have to know what to do. You don't, know how, you don't have to know what to say. You just have to say I can. Amen. Amen. I don't know how to speak. Next verse. But the Lord said, don't say I am too young. Don't say I am too young. Now, what I realized is for, for a long time, I used to say that I am too young because I'm too young. I cannot. For instance, I used to say I'm too young to witness. But before I knew it, I was a, a grown-up person. <laughs> you kept saying, I'm too young. Who listens to me? I'm too young. I'll feel intimidated. I'm too young. I'll be scared. I'm too young. You keep saying, I'm too young. I can't do anything because you are too young. The Bible says, do not look. Don't let anyone look down upon you because you are young. But rather, be an example. All right? So don't say, I am too young. You keep saying, I'm too young. You said, I'm too young when you were eight years old. When you were 12, you said, I'm too young. When you were 15, you said, you're too young. When you were 21, you, you said, you were too young. When you were 27, you said, you're too young. When you are 35, you're still saying, you're too young. Now you're 45. You are still too young. <laughs> Don't say, I am too young. Don't say this for the grown-ups to do. All right? You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Amen. That's the work of a shepherd. God is going to send you to people, and whatever 
he tells you to say, you are going to say to the people, amen. All right? Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. I want you to see that you are special to God, all right? And when you are special to God, God gives you something special to do. I heard someone once say that anyone who makes something makes that something for a purpose. Amen. Because no one makes something and then decides later on, okay, what am I going to use this thing I have made for? You understand? For instance, I'm holding the microphone. The person who made the microphone didn't go and start putting the microphone together. And then after making it, say, okay, now what can we use this for? Does that sound right to you? Even someone who makes something like this offering basket. Do you think somebody went to say, let me sew something that's cylindrical, that has a handle, that has a slot on top. Then when he finished, he said, mm, what can we use this for? Oh, an offering basket. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Before something is made, you have what you want it to do in mind, isn't it? Yeah. No one just makes something. Even as something as simple as what? Like the bottle, isn't it? Emmanuel, can you hold up your bottle? The person who made this bottle said, I need something that will what? Hold water, and then he makes the bottle, all right? So when you think God did not think about what he'd do with you before he made you, God must have said, I need you to do something. God wants you to serve a specific purpose, and that's why he made you. So you didn't show up before God said, oh, um, Mimi has arrived. What am I going to do with her? No, no, God knew about it a long time ago. That's why he brought you around, you see? That's why he told Jeremiah. He said, I appointed you. I knew you ahead of time. And I have set you apart to do something. He says, for those that God foreknew, he also, give, give me, um, what does the New Living Translation say? For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be, uh, for God knew his people in advance. Benedicta, God knew you in advance. All right, whatever year you were born, God knew you before that year. God knew us in advance. Say in advance. God knows us in advance, and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn with many brothers and sisters. So God knows about us in advance. Amen. So today we're going to continue talking about many are called. Amen. Are you happy about that? Many are called because God calls many people. So what I'm saying is don't see yourself as a part of a large number of people. God sees you as an individual, and God has something specific in mind for you as an individual. Amen. Amen. God is calling many people to himself. God, why did Jesus come around? <laughs> Jesus himself gave us a reason. He said, for the Son of Man is come to what? Seek and to save that which was lost. When you read the book of Revelation chapter 5, the Bible tells us what happened behind the scenes. There was actually a meeting in heaven. And the, God and the angels were looking down upon the earth, and they were wondering what they could do for mankind, because they could see that man was lost. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 1, all right? And then it says, and I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside, and it was sealed. Yes, next verse. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and unroll it? I don't know. When you go home, there used to be an old TV series called Mission Impossible, all right? <laughs> At the beginning, there's an old tape player to play the mission and to blow up, all right? So this scroll, I think, is something similar. It, was, it had a secret mission, but the question is, who can go on this secret mission? So it's saying that the angel was, uh, and I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals? You know, it's not every mission everybody can go on. 
That's why there are certain missions only James Bond can go on. You know that this mission is only James Bond. Because this guy is going to have to jump skyscrapers and what? Swim through rivers and what? A lot of stunts, isn't it? Jump from one helicopter to another. So who is worthy? Walk over crocodile heads. Eh? He has to do something. So the same thing was happening in heaven. Who can go down to the earth to save these people? Say, so who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and unroll it? Verse 3. But no one in heaven. Wow, the task of saving mankind was a huge task. Or on earth, there was no one that could be found. Or under the earth was able to open the scroll. So no one could take up this mission. Everybody say, mission impossible. An impossible mission. <laughs> Verse 4. Then I wept because no one could be found who was worthy to open the scroll. No James Bond. James Bond. Um, there's Mission Impossible. What's the other one? Tom Cruise. Which, other one? Which one does he do? He also does Mission Impossible. Okay, he's Mission Impossible. <laughs> oh, James Bond is not Mission Impossible. Oh, so I'm sorry. <laughs> that, that's Tom Cruise. James Bond is James Bond, isn't it? Okay, and then Tom Cruise is Mission Impossible. <laughs> I got it. Then, yeah, because Tom Cruise, he went to the, well, the world's tallest building somewhere in Dubai. He was scaling the windows, all kinds of things. I said, hey, these movies, the day they tell us the truth about what is possible. Then I wept because no one could be found who was worthy to open the scroll and to read it. All right. But one of the 24 elders said, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has conquered. He is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seven seals. Amen. Clap for Jesus. Hallelujah. So someone was finally found who could be sent on this mission to earth to save mankind. But before that, there was a lot of gloom in heaven. You know, the Bible doesn't show us, like a lot of times, heaven is a mystery to us. But when the curtains are pulled back, we get a picture of what is happening in heaven. This is something that happened in heaven. They were looking for someone to go on this great mission. No one could be found. But then good news. Stop weeping. The lion of the tribe of Judah. He was worthy to break the seven seals. Verse 6. I looked and I saw a lion that had been killed. Other versions say that had been slain. But was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He has seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God that are sent out into every part of the earth. Next verse. He stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the, um, of the one sitting on the throne. So he went for the, for the mission, the scroll, all right? He went to take it. And as he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they held golden bowls filled with incense, the prayers of God's people. Amen. What does the next verse say? And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to break its seal and to open it for you are ki you are killed and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Amen. Amen. So this is what God is about. To save people. To ransom people from every tribe, every language, every people and every nation. Amen. So you see, God has a big task at hand. My question to you is, when you have a lot of work to do, how many people do you call to help you with that work? You call many people, amen. That's why 
the Bible says, for many are called. Jesus said many are called. All right? Many. Everybody say many. many. And we've gone through the meanings of the word many. Many means large numbers. Amen. Large numbers of people are called. Now, a lot of times we think a few people are called. All right? We think that a few people like maybe me are called to do the work of God. <laughs> now, the work of God is not just only standing in front of people to preach, all right, like I'm doing. The work of God, I'm going to show you very soon, all right, but many people have been called, hallelujah. There should be a large shepherd to people ratio, amen. What do I mean? You know, sometimes, uh, I remember when my kids were younger and I was trying to get them into school, a lot of times they'll tell me the class is full, why is a class full? Because they said we need to stick to a certain teacher-to-student ratio. You understand? They'll say we cannot have more than how many students per teacher? 15, 20, 30. Because at the point, the teacher will get confused, isn't it? <laughs> the teacher cannot control the students anymore. Likewise, we should also have a certain pastor-to-people ratio. Amen. Even though... We want the church to grow. We want many people to come in. You know, we, we, we are used to seeing thousands of people and just one pastor, all right? But God wants a lot more people than just that one pastor to do his work. We also have to have a good pastor-to-people ratio so that the people can be well taken care of. You get it, all right? Say small pastor-to-people ratio. <laughs> small shepherd. To people ratio. All right. So many are called means large numbers are called. The masses, huge numbers, numerous people, countless people, lots of people. The majority of people are called. And it means most of the people are called. Amen. Amen. Christabel, you are in the most. <laughs> but we are all in the most. You understand? When I say most of you. If I say, after church, I have something for most of you. So please meet me beside my car. I think only two of you will come out with me. But if you come and I say, go back, what will you say to me? Ah, but you said most. You say, ah, but I'm more likely, it's more likely I am part of the most than the few, isn't it? Yeah. So we are part of the most. Hallelujah. So there's a lot you can do for God. Hallelujah. There's a lot you can do for God, all right? So many are called. So today I'm giving you five facts about the call of God, all right? And the first fact is many are called. Say, I am part of the many. Say, it is more likely that I am called by God than I am not called. It is more likely you are called because Jesus said many. Say, I'm looking for many. Many means the most part, the majority, the masses, all the words I gave you. If you think about it, if you've been to class three, you understand what I'm saying, all right? <laughs> Just to class three, you understand that chances are you are part of the many, all right? So even if you don't understand what it means, just start from that point saying, hmm, maybe like, so that's why I began by saying no one makes something before thinking about what to use it for. And the same applies to you. God didn't bring you into the world first and then think about whether he you would have any use for you. He wanted to make use, some use of you. That's what he told Jeremiah. Before you were formed 
in your mother's womb, I knew about you. And then he said, at that point, I actually ordained you, and I appointed you, and I set you apart as a prophet from your mother's womb. He said, I had a, I had a plan already laid out for you. Amen. Amen. How many of you think sometimes have a feeling that you are special to God in some way? You don't know what it is, but you think that you must be special to God. Or Shailene, don't you think you might be special to God in some way? You are special to God in a way other people are not. You are special to God maybe in a way Gina is not, or? <laughs> but Gina also feels the same way. God must look down on me. Sometimes I think that God sees me in a very special way, but he just hasn't told other people about it. And sometimes I feel very good about it. I say people must be jealous. God feels very special about me. I don't know what it is, but I'm very, very special. I don't know why these 6.9 billion people are around. You know, these are the people. I, I don't know. I, I must have the, the <laughs> very special privilege with God. Amen. So many are called. Now, what have we been called to? What is this call? All right. Number two, we are talking about facts about the call of God. The second thing is that. You have been called to fruitfulness. Amen. So when we say you have been called, called to do what? To be a doorman, to be what? Called to do what? You have been called simply to be fruitful. Amen. Amen. You have been called. How do I know that? Because Jesus said it. <laughs> John chapter 15 and verse 16. Say, I have been called to fruitfulness. What does that mean? I have been called to fruitfulness. There's something about God and God wanting what he has made to be fruitful, all right? Like in the very beginning when God made Adam and Eve, the first thing he said to them was, be fruitful. I mean, the first words out of God's mouth was, be fruitful. So it must be high up on his list of things to do, isn't it? Whatever it means, God said, be fruitful. And what God, in saying be fruitful, was saying was, produce after your own kind. Antirita. You understand what I'm saying? So whatever he was saying to Adam and Eve, he said, I've made you now. It's up to you to produce or to reproduce after your own kind. Because God wasn't going to keep coming back and make more Adam and Eves. You see, God didn't come on Monday and make Adam and Eve, and then on Tuesday made what? John and um, what? Agnes. <laughs> and then Tuesday. No, no, no. God had finished. All he had to do was make the first pair. And then subsequently, he was looking up to them and depending on them to do the rest, isn't it? Because God puts in the ability of every person to be fruitful, fruitfulness. When you read even the trees, he said, I'm going to make trees with fruits that contain seeds, all right? So God is always thinking about um, what will come after, all right? You understand? So John chapter 15, verse 16, God says, you haven't chosen me, but I have chosen you. And I appointed you to go and produce. Is it the King James? You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. Remember I said when you are special to God, God also gives you a special task. So God, I mean, number one, to be chosen is a special thing, isn't it? It's a special thing. I, I used to... <laughs> you know, it, it, when you are a lady and a young man comes and says, I love you, it's a special thing. <laughs> and the young man says, I want to marry you. It's a special thing. Because 
Now, it would not be good that he, if he's going around saying this to a lot of people. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> but when he's chosen you out, because it's, it's a little awkward, unusual for a lady to be the one going to a guy and say, hey, I want to marry you. Even though sometimes, <laughs> sometimes ladies are pushed to that point of desperation. Sometimes it's actually to help the brother out. Because she has seen that the brother has got to that point. He just needs a push. He needs a push. All right. All right. But what I'm saying is to be chosen, you might not know it, but to be chosen is a special thing. All right. These days you hear people saying men should be married more than one. Because there are a lot of women without husbands. The ratio is high. I mean, there are countries where the women exceed the men in the millions. Not so far, there was a, uh, a recently new, I've forgotten what country it was. Oh, I've forgotten. But in, in that town, in the last 10 to 12 years, they've had only girls as children. Not a single boy has been born. <laughs> so if you want to send your son there. <laughs> only girls have been born in that village, right? Only girls. So I think they were having a competition, and then they showed us, ah, why are you all girls? But the competition was something about firefighting, you know, young firefighters, and when the town showed up, it was all girls in firefighters' uniforms. They were wondering, so we've had only girls born in the last how many years? <laughs> I mean, there are just a few hundred people, that's why. It wasn't like a town of a thousand people, but only girls have been born. All right, so God has called us to be fruitful, amen. All right, so God wants us to just do, a little, and to be fruitful, it takes some amount of sacrifice, Amen. It takes some amount of doing something, all right, for God, and not just for yourself all the time. You have to now think about what you can do for God in order to be fruitful. Amen. Amen. Now, the third fact about the call of God is some people are called in a spectacular way. Because I've been talking about the course, ah, but when has God called me? I haven't heard God's voice yet, you know. I've always asked myself that question, but I haven't heard God ever speak to me. I said, it would be nice. Wouldn't it be nice? In the dead of the night, if you heard a voice calling out your name, then you say, hey, this must be God, isn't it? Let me sit up. God is calling me. I've heard him. I heard him myself, you see. <laughs> Acts chapter 9, verse 3 to 6. Some people are called in a spectacular way. And as he journeyed, Acts chapter 9, verse 3, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light. From heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? All right? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto me, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what? Thou must do. Amen. Amen. This was a very dramatic and spectacular conversion, wasn't it? Because, you know, to Paul or to Saul, as far as he was concerned, he was doing the right thing for God. You know, because this new group of people had emerged, followers of what they called the way, followers of Jesus. He thought they were doing the wrong, all the wrong things. So he was persecuting them, actually killing them. And then God arrested him. God stopped him on the way and said, you can't be doing this anymore. Wow, everybody say wow. wow. 
<laughs> Why God chose to do that, I do not know. But you do not have many of these stories in the Bible, all right? I mean, what happened to him? He saw a shining light come down from heaven. He heard a voice speaking to him, which I know I would like to have happen to me. He fell to the ground. He was struck with blindness for seven, several days. I mean, if all of these things happen to you and you say God has not called you in some way, hmm, then you're not being an honest person, isn't it? All of us would want to have the same great uh, experience, you know, but God cannot be expected to re repeat himself, you know. God decides what he wants to do, and he chooses the time, and he does it in the way that he wants. Amen. Amen. So some people are called in a spectacular way. I remember when, when I was in college, there was a guy who, you know, when, when you are in school, at least when I was in school, there are people who we generally brand good people, isn't it? So, oh, he's a good boy. So, oh, he's a bad boy. <laughs> so we know the good boys and the bad boys. We also know the good girls and the bad girls. But, <laughs> but no, remember one of, my, one of my friends, he was a bad boy. But then he became a Christian. So we're all surprised. And he said, God spoke to me. and said, I have to change my ways. I said, wow. I said, I think that's the only way you could have been saved. <laughs> God must have had to show up and speak to you. Otherwise, because hmm, the way you were. But he said, yeah, he had a dream one day, and God said, stop. And he stopped. All right. <laughs> but that doesn't happen to all of us. So number four, some people are called, called in an ordinary way. Amen. And I dare say, for most of us, that's the way in which God has called us and is calling us. Amen. First Kings chapter 19, verse 11 to 12, all right? And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces of rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. When something even in nature, strong and mighty happens, like when we hear the thunder and the roarings and the lightnings, we are, you know, even in legal speaks, when something very terrible happens in nature, they say it's what? An act of God, isn't it? They want to attribute the bad things that happen to God. Or they'll say, or in the event of an act of God. That means something very catastrophic, like a hurricane coming to rip this building apart. They'll say that we, in that case, it falls outside the boundaries of, out of the scope of this contract or whatever, an act of God. So God is the one who is known to do very terrible things <laughs> and very catastrophic things, all right? So it says, a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice, all right? So most people are called in this way. So Elijah, um, he said, a still small voice. Let's continue. Uh, and it was so, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice upon him and said, what doest thou here, Elijah? All right? So all these great things were happening, but he didn't hear the voice of God. He didn't see God. He didn't experience God till the Bible says, and after the fire, a still small voice. And it was so. When Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle. All right? So many people are called by a still, small voice. And God is in a still, small voice. 
God speaks to your mind, your heart, your conscience. God speaks to you. Many of the ideas and thoughts you have are God's voice. God speaking to you. You just say, oh, it was a thought. A thought that maybe I need to change my ways. I need to become a little more serious with God. It's God speaking to you. You know, God didn't push you down for you to fall down on the ground. Or you didn't hear this loud, audible voice in the middle of the night. But it was God nonetheless. Amen. And finally... Some people are called through their desires. Amen. Their desires. God puts a desire in your heart. All right? This is my desire to honor you, Lord, with all my heart. I worship you. First Timothy 3.1. This is a true saying, if a man desire. Say, if a man desire. The office of a bishop or a shepherd, or of an overseer, of a pastor, he desired a good thing. Amen. So this is, God made you. God made you in his image, all right? And God communicates. You are also unique in the way God made you, you understand? Don't you find that you are different from other people in many different ways? Your uniqueness comes from God and the way God made you, all right? Even your desires, there are some things you like that other people do not like, isn't it? Like some foods. Mimi, are there some foods Emmanuel likes that you don't like? You don't understand why he likes? What, what are some foods that he likes that you find strange? What are some of those foods? You don't want to, Kinky. You, you don't know. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Even the desire for Kinky. She doesn't have it. All right? All right. But God, the desires that God puts in your heart are from him. Amen. Amen. So today, I want you to know that God is calling you just as he is calling me. And God called us from the very beginning. It's just up to us to hear his voice. Because God is speaking to us all the time in many different ways. God speaks to us through other people. God speaks to us through the events of our lives. God speaks to us sometimes from the most unlikely. God can even speak to you through your child. You know, there, there, was, a, there was a king. He was suffering from leprosy in the Bible. Is it Naaman? What's his name? Naaman, okay. And it was a, a servant girl who said, you probably need to look up the prophet, isn't it? He can heal you. If he had said, who are you? You know, but God is calling us nonetheless. Many are called, and it is more likely that you are called than you are not called. So this year, I want you to pray that God will reveal to you everything that he wants to show you and everything that he wants you to do for him. Amen. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake. Lord, have your way in me. Lord, I give you my heart. I give. Let's stand to our feet. I live for you alone. Every breath that I 
every moment I'm awake. Lord, have your way in me. This is my desire to
That's why Lord, I, I respond to your call. I, I say, call. Father, say, Father, take me as I am. Take me as with I am. everything that I am. Everything and I come to you. You have said, Lord, anyone who comes to you, you will no wise cast out. So, Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. We come to you. So we should come out to you all, ye that labor and are heavy laden, and we'll find rest for our souls. For your burden is easy and your yoke is light, and we'll find rest for our souls. Father, bring us into that rest today. We thank you, Father. We bless and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What about communion? Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I
about to take the body and the blood of Jesus. But I want you to hear something. Are you there? Are you ready? Then Judas, which betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, saying what? I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See thou to it. I've betrayed what? What? The innocent blood. The blood of Jesus was innocent. He hadn't done anything wrong, even though they made such a case to the point of convicting him of a sin to kill him. But the truth is that his blood was innocent. In fact, through Matthew 26, you see, they said, this just person, that's how they describe it. His wife sent and said, have thou nothing to do with this just person? Yes. If you find it, put it up. This just person. I have betrayed the innocent blood. And Pilate, when he said, he said, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. That's the blood that we are about to receive. Our blood is not innocent. And you can never be Judas unless there is something innocent somewhere. Is it to be Judas, you must be close. To be Judas, you must have an innocent blood to betray. To be Judas, you must cause a trial to take place where somebody is assessed by wicked people. Yes. Wicked people must group together and make their comments because of you. Jesus would have been in his house sleeping and because of Judas, all the high priests and so many people came to the conclusion was a bad person. And he, he, he went out of this world with that impression. He never corrected it. So the blood of Jesus is the blood of that this just person. I'm innocent of the blood of this just person. It's innocent blood. It's very powerful blood. That blood is going to mix with your blood. Amen. Yes. And it's going to purge away your sins, my sins, and our wickedness. Stand to your feet. Take the bread. Father, may the body of Jesus Christ that we receive bring healing our bodies the body of Jesus Christ body of Jesus Christ now the blood made the innocent blood or the blood of this just person cleanse us from wickedness from sin from evil 
blood of Jesus. The innocent blood of Jesus. Lift your hands. Whatever pit you are falling into and surrounded by lions, I announce your freedom. I announce your deliverance. I declare miraculously you shall escape from the mouth of the lion. Not even one of your bones shall be broken. In the name of Jesus. Any form of being surrounded, being surrounded and being cornered, I ask for your escape by the blood of the Lamb. I pray for you that God should stretch his long hand and select you and exempt you. In the name of Jesus, let it come to pass. Whatever will break your leg this week, whatever curse and judgment will be activated against you this week, I ask for the blood of the Lamb that washes white as snow. The innocent blood to wash away your mistakes and your sins. Whatever makes you not an alose, whatever evil is in you that makes you not an alose, today you are delivered from that thing. Let me hear your loudest amen. Now may the blessing of the Lord come upon you and raise you up out of the miry clay and place your feet upon a rock to stay. In the name of he who lay in the grave voluntarily and rose with the power of the spirit after three days. May that power raise you up in the name of this Jesus and everyone shouted your loudest amen. God bless you. Amen. You may take your seats. I want to take our second offering. Our... We hope you have been blessed. Come join us for any of our services. Contact us on our social media handles at QFC Houston North. Speak to me. Speak to me.